0: All right. Well, guys, for this morning and uh, eight weeks, including this morning, we're going to be having a conversation as a church about courage. Courage and fear. And um, there are many lessons that are emerging. I think I still don't have the perspective I will on the past two years, maybe a few years from now or 10 years from now. I think we're all still kind of coming out of the whole COVID thing over two years and still trying to digest the lessons that that has for us as individuals, as a people, the United, people of the United States, and as the God's special people within that people, His church. But I will say that one of the things that has emerged in my own thinking about what was revealed during the pandemic is the role that fear had in the middle of all that. Fear and courage was something that we thought a lot about over the course of the pandemic. I also think it's time for God's people uh, to have a conversation about courage and fear because we're living in in the midst of a particular cultural moment in the United States. As we have um, moved away from a predominant Christian worldview in our culture, um, there is a growing sense among God's people That it will be more costly socially, perhaps professionally, perhaps in a lot of different realms to stand true to our convictions that we hold as Christians in the midst of this current cultural moment. I think that if we look back over the history of the church, without courage, the book of Acts would read very differently, wouldn't it? (laughs) Without courage... Where would be the Protestant Reformation? Without courage, nearly any chapter that we celebrate in the church's history, it would not have happened. And my desire is that if Jesus returns this week, that he would find a state road that was courageous. And I will confess to you that I'm entering into this conversation as a man who is, who has, I'm fearful (laughs) <laughs> I guess for lack of a better word. I think we all are, if we're honest. I don't think I'm uniquely fearful. I think there are probably on a scale of uh, people who experience fears in life, it, we're all over the map. Some are, are really dominated by fear, really struggling with that. Others, um, I just look at them and I think they must be psychopaths because they, <laughs> they don't seem to fear anything. Um, but I'm somewhere right there in the rich, meaty center of that bell curve. I think I'm, I'm, I'm filled with fears. I'm afraid that Putin will launch a nuclear strike in Ukraine. That's something I thought about this week watching the news. It doesn't seem outside the realm of possibility, and that terrifies me. I'm scared of the outcomes of certain political races. I'm frightened of the culture. And I'll tell you something else coming on the tail end of our One Another series. To some extent, I'm afraid of you. (laughs) I'm afraid of your opinion of me. I'm afraid you'll leave this church. I'm afraid. Guys, I walk around with all kinds of fears, and I'm willing to bet you do too. And those fears threaten to govern us. Those fears threaten to become our north star around which we orient our whole lives. And the Bible calls us to something else. And I think we as God's people, in this particular moment, God has laid it on my heart to talk about fear. Now, I want to start this morning with a passage, um, but really, I'm going to be trying to draw out of God's Word. We can't really talk about courage in the coming weeks without first talking about fear. (laughs) So I'm going to read a passage from Isaiah, Isaiah 41. This is one that I memorized. We memorized a portion of this, actually, at Hide and Seek Club a couple years ago. But in Isaiah 41, verses 10, 13, 17, and 18, I'm going to read you this. These are the very words of our God. Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. For I, the Lord your God, hold your right hand. It is I who say to you, fear not. I am the one who helps you. When the poor and needy seek water, and there is none, and their tongue is parched with thirst, I, the Lord, will answer them. I, the God of Israel, will not forsake them. I will open rivers on the bare heights and fountains in the midst of the valleys. I will make the wilderness a pool of water and the dry land springs of water. That's the verse, I, those are the verses I had in mind this week as I was reading. And I really want to draw out two things in here. Uh, and, and I'm going to cut right to the chase. I don't normally do this. Normally, when I write a sermon, and it's very annoying for you as the listener, <laughs> I kind of build towards the main point. And at the end, I kind of lay the main point out there. And we've built the foundation, and like, and here's the main point. I'm going to tell you right now, at the very beginning of the message, what the main point is for today. The main thing I think that we as God's people need to know and understand about ourselves, at least as it relates to this conversation we're going to be having with God in His Word about fear and courage is this. The reason you feel fear is because you are not Godlike. This is the main point for when we're going to be talking about fear this morning. The reason why you feel fear, my friend is because you're not godlike. We are in the words of Isaiah 41:13, poor and needy. For example, you experience, I'm willing to bet, some measure of fear of the unknown. But God is all-knowing. You would not fear the unknown if you were all-knowing, if you were godlike. You don't know what's going to happen in the future. You don't know what's going to happen this afternoon, let alone next year. You don't know whether the venture that you've embarked on and invested so heavily in is going to succeed or fail. You don't know, perhaps, if your children will grow up to love God and His people or reject the gospel. You don't know, you don't know, you don't know, and you wouldn't have that problem if you were Godlike. and so you fear. Another example I'm willing to bet you sometimes experience fear because there is something that you need or you fear you will need, but you fear you won't have what's needed when the time comes when you need it. (laughs) You're going to need money. You're looking at your roof, and you're going, hmm, that's going to probably start leaking, and that's a pile of money, and you experience fear. You have a cracked tooth. How can I possibly fix that? That's a lot of money. And you feel fear. You feel want, need, and you fear, fear, fear. God is completely without need. He's the creator of gold who has no particular need for the stuff. If you were God, you would not feel any fear associated with need. Another example. You sometimes experience fear because you're not in control. I wish I could have like a remote control device over Vladimir Putin. (laughs) We're not in control of that, that crazy man. We're not in control of our school boards. We're not in control of Washington. We're not in control of the economy. We're not in control. We're not in control. We're not in control. You feel fear. But God is sovereign. He is in control. You feel fear over not being in control because you're not God-like. You have fear because you're not able to change the realities that surround you, but God is all-powerful. Basically, and I'll stop giving examples, you get the gist. If you carefully examine any fear that you have or have ever experienced, you will find at the root of that fear, you would not have it if you were like God. Now, this observation is interesting in light of the first time we ever hear fear mentioned in the Bible. Oftentimes, to understand a particular word or doctrine or idea, sometimes we need to go back to the first place where it occurs in the Bible and study that. The reasoning is that the Bible's first mention of something often reveals some really important insights into the nature of whatever it is you're trying to get a handle on, trying to understand. And it is often the simplest and clearest presentation of that thing. So here's the question. Where was fear first described in the Bible? Do you remember? Well, of course, it was right right after Adam and Eve ate the fruit. From the forbidden tree. In fact, the very first human feeling that is explicitly mentioned and described following the fall is fear. Satan came to Adam and Eve in the form of a serpent and he questioned them about some things that God had said. He planted a seed of doubt in their minds. Did God really say, He said, You will not surely die. For God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. And then after they disobeyed and they ate the fruit, the very first mention of that first emotion following the fall, fear, comes in verse 10. I'm going to back up to verse 8, speaking about Adam and Eve. And they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called to the man and said to him, Where are you? And he said, I heard the sound of you in the garden and I was afraid. There it is. That's the first mention of fear in the Bible. And here's what happened, guys. Man tried to become Godlike. Satan said, "You will not die, you'll be like God." They ate. And then they felt fear. They tried to become like God. They fell, they experienced fear, and now all this fear that you experience is because you're not like God after all. Satan lied, man sinned, and now we fear. If you were omnipotent and all-knowing and perfectly needless and abundantly, overflowingly rich, you would never have cause to fear. But, or so I'm tempted to think, I have none of those things, and so I am full of fears." We come back to this awful, terrible moment surrounding the fall a lot here at State Road. (laughs) We come back and we revisit this story. We're all very familiar with it. You've got the notes on this lecture already. I know that. But the reason why we have to keep coming back to the fall is because what happened way back then is actually foundational to understanding what ails fallen humanity today. And as we've observed many times in the past, the sin that Adam and Eve committed when they ate the fruit from the forbidden tree was acting on the belief that it would be better to be God's than to continue trusting in God. The serpent had told them that if they ate of the fruit, they would become like God, knowing the difference between good and evil. And so they ate, they ate the fruit, guys, in the vain belief that it would make them godlike. They wouldn't need for anybody or anything. Eat this fruit and you'll be godlike. And the very first thing that's revealed on the back end of the fall is that from top to bottom, that was a lie. Fears don't exist in godlike beings. Adam and Eve ate, and the first thing they experienced. Is the plummeting sense that they're not godlike at all? They're afraid. And even now, I would submit to you that fear, whenever it appears in the human heart, whenever it appears in your heart or mine, makes all of us sons of Adam and Eve, all of us sons and daughters of Adam and Eve we think to ourselves, I wish I was godlike. Every time we're tempted to feel fear, it is an opportunity to reject what Adam and Eve embraced. In the midweek email this past week, I talked a little bit about Marie Antoinette. She was the last queen of France before the French Revolution. When she was told... And actually, guys, I discovered this this week, this famous quote of Marie Antoinette, there's actually no historical evidence she ever said it. (laughs) This might be just a piece of propaganda. So if I'm maligning Marie Antoinette, I apologize to her. She's not around, so it's okay. But as the story goes, when Marie Antoinette, living no doubt in the palace of Versailles, surrounded in luxury, opulence, When she was told that her poor, starving subjects had no bread, she infamously said, oh, then let them eat cake, (laughs) which would be infuriating if you heard that and you were a poor, starving subject of Marie Antoinette. This is commonly offered as proof that she was out of touch. She was oblivious to the plight of the common people, and she had this kind of cavalier indifference to the troubles of the people who actually lived in the streets that she ostensibly governed. It occurred to me, though, this week that a person might be tempted to feel something similar toward God when he commands us to fear not. Someone might think, that's awful easy for God to say. He's all-knowing, he's all-powerful, and all of that. Marie Antoinette knew nothing about the experience of grinding poverty and starvation and children dying because you had no food for them. And so she said, let them eat cake. What can God know of fear? Maybe his command to fear not is an impossible command, That really betrays, someone might be tempted to think, a cavalier indifference on the part of God for what it's like for us to live as non-gods in the midst of all this fallen brokenness. What a crazy thing for God to say to you, fear not. God in heaven fears nothing of the stuff that paralyzes my heart. Is he issuing this proclamation from on high from the safety and security of his godlike nature, commanding us, mere non gods and spiritual peasants, to fear not in the same spirit that Marie Antoinette says, Let them eat cake. God possesses a superabundance of all that we lack, and it's what we lack that makes us fear. We fear because we're not like God. How can God then say, Fear not? I can just imagine if I'd been a poor person living in Marie Antoinette's France, how I would have felt if I'd heard her her suggestion that my family could eat cake, which I love the way the quote is phrased, by the way. She says, let them eat cake, as though I give them permission. (laughs) They've been eating bread because I told them to hold back on the cake. But if I heard the suggestion that she said we could eat cake if we couldn't get our hands on any bread, I promise you I would have thought to myself, I'd like to see her switch places with me. I'd like to see Marie Antoinette trying to feed six kids here now. But you see, guys, that's just it. God is not like Marie Antoinette. He did switch places with us. Philippians 2, 6 through 8 tells us who, speaking of Jesus, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant being born in the likeness of men. And being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. In the midweek email, I invited us to imagine what would have happened if Marie Antoinette Instead of saying let them eat cake Had said let them eat my cake (laughs) What if she said Let them eat my food What if Marie Antoinette had denied herself Refusing to eat In fact starving to death So that others could eat Gave all her food to her subjects Instead of stuffing her own face Well that's what Jesus the bread of life did For you, for me Imagine if she had thrown open the doors of Versailles for the homeless and the destitute and had put herself in the position of a common servant, meeting their needs, washing their bathrooms. Jesus is preparing a place for you right now. I want you to imagine him kneeling down and washing the feet of his disciples. Our God is no Marie Antoinette. (laughs) Not even a little bit. Jesus said, for the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. You see, God doesn't just say, fear not. I suppose if that was all God said, we might be right in thinking this is an impossible command from a God who is blithely indifferent toward our plight. But God does not just say, fear not. He says, fear not. I am with you. I'm with you. This is perhaps, I think, the most important thing to see beyond the fact that you have fears because you're not God-like. God doesn't just say, fear not. He says, fear not, I am with you. This is why I say that when we feel tempted to fear, we are being confronted with the same choice that Adam was confronted with in the garden. Something happens that causes you to feel fear, and the enemy comes hissing, did God really say that he'd be with you? Did he really say that? Does he mean it? Did he really say that he'd never leave you or forsake you? Wouldn't it be better if you were Godlike than to have to trust God to show up in the midst of whatever's causing you to fear and be with you there in the middle of it? Brothers and sister, the testimony of Scripture is clear. Satan is an absolute repetitive hack. <laughs> the same lie he spoke to Adam and Eve in the garden, he is speaking to you right now in the midst of your fears. God's word is true, and you can rest your whole weight on it. You lack God-like powers, but you do not lack God. You lack God-like powers, but you don't lack God. All of us in our fears are like sheep who wish we were shepherd-like, and we don't trust the shepherd that we have. We don't want a shepherd, we want to be the shepherd. And whenever you fear and you harbor fear and you're governed by fear, that is the spirit at the root of everything you're doing. I don't want a shepherd, I want to be the shepherd. I wish I was shepherd-like, not a sheep. And so I need to tell you at the beginning of this conversation, you lack God-like powers, but you don't lack a God. You lack the capacity to be shepherd-like, but you don't lack a shepherd. We are sheep. There's much for sheep to be afraid of, but not in the presence of a shepherd. And we have a shepherd who says, fear not, I'm with you. David expresses this when he says, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. There it is. David, right there, is confessing I lack God like powers. I have wants. There's things like death. I'm a sheep. I lack shepherd like abilities, but I don't lack a shepherd. You don't either. The opposite of fear is not courage, fellow Christian, it is faith. It is faith, it is the ability to know and believe that God is with you, that He has not abandoned you, that He is greater than that which causes you to fear. Adam thought it would be better to be a God than to trust in God. And like ripples in a pond... This way of thinking radiates out again and again and again, all down through the long, miserable years of human experience, and betraying, generation after generation, the same grasping desire for the place of God. People think, wouldn't it be better to save yourself through works than to trust a Savior? Wouldn't it be better to be God-like than to trust in the power of God working on your behalf? Wouldn't it be better to be shepherd-like than to trust a shepherd? Adam said, wouldn't it be better to be a God than to trust in God? And this spirit is still what we're fighting against right now. It's what pops up every time you feel fear. Every time fear threatens to govern you. In becoming a man... When He took our place, Jesus Jesus showed us something really important about fear and courage. Remember, I said, what if Marie Antoinette could take my place? Well, Jesus really did. Jesus became a man. He didn't just look like a man. He became fully man, according to the Bible. Which means that He laid aside the independent use of His divine attributes, he lived in complete dependence on the Father in the same way that we do or should. He laid aside all that made him Godlike in divine power and knowledge and essence, and he became absolutely like you, dependent on the Father for all that was needed. But unlike Josh Tate, Jesus didn't feel fear. He trusted the Father with a perfect faith, and He modeled for us a life of faith-filled courage in the face of the unknown, and in the face of want, in the face of persecution, and yes, even in the face of death. Jesus spoke up when others had been bullied into silence. He stood up against evil. He defended the weak. He embraced a life of needy reliance on the Father, and he met violence with a willingness to die. This is remarkable courage that we see in Jesus. And he laid it all aside. He laid aside the capacity to be godlike, considering it not something to be grasped, not something to be laid hold of. He set it down, and he became like you and me, but without fear. That first consequence of the fall never showed up in his heart. He never committed that sin. Fear not, and this is amazing, guys, is the most common and oft-repeated command in the entire Bible. If you take fear not, and be not afraid, and do not fear, all the different variations of saying that same thing, it occurs well in excess of a hundred times. There is no other command that is repeated as often in our Bibles as fear not. The frequency of this command in God's Word surely speaks to the fact that mankind is dominated by a tendency towards fear. We struggle to trust our shepherd. It also speaks to the fact that so much of what God has called us towards, so much of what God is going to do, wants to do, will do here at State Road in the midst of these days, in this place, in this generation, will have at the root of it all a faith-filled courage in God's people for the doing of it. And we need to see here at the front end of this conversation that he does not just issue from on high, like Marie Antoinette, this command to fear not, He says, fear not, I'm with you. Whatever I call you to, I'm going to give you what's needed for the doing of it. Uh, I can remember very clearly when I was a child, I would go to my grandparents' house for the the summer. And my grandfather was very cheap. (laughs) And he had avoided putting in a proper septic system. I think he had like a barrel that he had buried or something. It was weird. Um, But one of the rules in my grandfather's house growing up was, you don't use the bathroom. (laughs) And I I remember once asking him, well, why is it there? And he said, well, that's just for like guests, you know. But we were never supposed to use the bathroom, especially not, um, well, not to be graphic, but for number two. You only did number one in there if you have to use it. And this was scary for me because the only other option was this outhouse that was way up in the woods behind the house. And I was scared to go up there. Uh, it, It was quite a ways removed from the house. You couldn't see the house from the outhouse. And quite often, as we were getting ready for bed, we will have brushed our teeth, and I'm in my jammy jams, and I'm about to head up to bed, and my mom would say, Joshua, did you go to the bathroom? <laughs> I did not, because it was horrifying. It was dark. And there were probably serial killers behind every tree and all kinds of stuff like that. But my mom would say, Well, you have to go to the bathroom. Which is true, I might pee the bed or something. So I would knees shaking, I would take that long walk up through the woods to that outhouse, which looked like something out of a horror film. But I remember one night, I finally just, in tears, I remember I was crying. I was probably like 16 or so, just kidding. (laughs) No, I was quite a bit younger than that. I started to cry and I just told my mom I was really afraid of going up to that outhouse After the sun went down, I was scared of it during the middle of the day. I basically held going to the bathroom for two weeks when I'd go up there. But my Uncle Brad was there, and my Uncle Brad said, I'll go with you. And I felt this instant flood of relief. Guys, I walked up to that outhouse with my Uncle Brad, and I didn't feel an ounce of fear any step along the way. Nothing had changed. It was still dark. You still couldn't see anything. But Uncle Brad was there with me. God says, fear not, for I am with you. Fear not. He's with us, guys. We're not alone. We're not walking alone through this dark, scary world. He's with you. He's with you, and He's a God who means it. He means his promises. I'm going to conclude this sermon this morning by offering no more thoughts of my own. I'm just going to read in succession some of what God says in his word on this topic, and then we'll close with prayer. Isaiah 41, a verse we already read. Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. For I, the Lord your God, hold your right hand. It is I who say to you, fear not. I am the one who helps you. Joshua 1.9 Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not tremble or be dismayed. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Acts 18 9 through 10, and the Lord said to Paul one night in a vision, do not be afraid, but go on speaking and do not be silent, for I am with you. Isaiah 35, 4, say to those who have an anxious heart, be strong, fear not, behold, your God will come with vengeance, with the recompense of God, he will come and save you. Psalm 112, 6-7, For the righteous will never be moved. He will be remembered forever. He is not afraid of bad news. His heart is firm, trusting in the Lord. Matthew 14, 26-27, They cried out in fear, but immediately Jesus spoke to them, saying, Take heart, it is I, do not be afraid. Luke 8:50 but Jesus on hearing this answered him Do not fear only believe and she will be well and Nehemiah 4:14 4, and I looked and arose and said to the nobles and to the officials and to the rest of the people Do not be afraid of them remember the Lord who is great and awesome and fight for your brothers your sons your daughters your wives and your homes let's pray Dear Heavenly Father, our hearts are threatened to become surrounded with these fears. And God, we admit, we fully confess that in our fearfulness, we are tempted to think to ourselves, it would be better if we were like you rather than having to depend on you. God, how awesome it would be to have no needs to know all things, to be all-powerful, to be sovereign. Nothing could make my heart fear, but God, the whole point, the whole point of life is that you would be glorified in your people. You are glorified, which is to say how excellent and wonderful and faithful you are is put on display in us. God, you did not make us to be little gods. You made us to be people who depended on a big God. And God, you, you made us so that we would live in relationship with you in such a way that all your promises would be shown to be faithful, that our trust in you would be vindicated. God, this fallen, broken world is full of things that would make any heart fear. But you have promised us, God, that you would be with us. So Father, I pray that like Jesus, we would not be bullied into silence. God, that we would, not, that we would stand up when others are refusing to stick their neck out. That we would embrace, embrace a life of risk, knowing that the reward at, end, at the end of time far outweighs anything that could come in this world. Father, I pray that you would give us the capacity to face even death with a willingness to die. Father, you're better than life. Father, I pray that you would make us a courageous people because that is surely what is needed in the midst of these days. We thank you, Lord, for beginning this conversation we're going to be having with your word this morning about fearing not because you're with us. God, help us reject the impulse that Adam and Eve embraced. God, we don't want to be shepherd-like. We want you, our shepherd. God, make us more perfect in trust and help us to follow, step out in courage to follow you wherever you're going. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Please stand.
1: You hear me when I call You are my morning song Though darkness fills the night It cannot hide the light Whom shall I fear? You crush the end of me underneath my feet you are my sword and shield though troubles linger still whom shall
0: For God gave you a spirit not of fear, but of power and love and self-control. Go in peace to serve the Lord.